now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Mr. Scott, shall we give the Enterprise a proper shakedown? I would say it's time for that, sir. I... Before this drama unfolds, we give welcome to the ones named Kirk and Spock. You! What planet is this? Which one of you is the captain? Do we violate the treaty, Captain? Sir, someone is stealing the Enterprise. What are you scratching at? <laughs> Humans make illogical decisions. Destruction sequence completed and engaged. No! Yes, I found Mr. Spock. I'm talking to Mr. Spock in his hand. Welcome to Two True Freaks, episode 506. This is Star Trek Monthly Monday, 73, just as if we never, ever trailed off on Star Trek Monthly Monday, which we never did. This is, this is uh, from a time warp. Originally, um, as everybody probably that's listening knows this, there's a new Star Trek show, and uh, I was going to do a solo podcast. I'd watched the first after watching the first five episodes of Star Trek Discovery and sort of give my opinion on, you know, where Star Trek was. I was going to call it the State of the Star Trek Union and uh, sort of talk about what's going on Star trek now. But a couple weeks ago I was having a conversation with, with a little buddy of mine and and I was like, you know what? We were talk- And we were talking about this subject and I was like, you know... Even though my little buddies never watched any of the shows that, that we're going to discuss tonight, it was it was way better than just me blabbing all by myself like I'm doing now. And that little buddy is Scott Gardner. Hi. Hey, little buddy. I like Star Trek. I like <laughs> Dr. Spock and R2-D2. R2-D2 is awesome. <laughs> How's it going, man? Great. I've been looking forward to this because, that you know, 
Hey, it's been a couple weeks since we talked Trek, but we're gonna like we're gonna talk Trek again. Once this again. is awesome just to just to be back on Star Trek Monthly Monday after all this time. Yeah. <sighs> it's like coming home. <laughs> it feels good to be on the bridge, doesn't it? It does. It does. It's a little dusty, but you know, we'll we'll, we'll clean it out. We'll dust it off and uh we'll be good to go. I always figured Starfleet had some sort of like Starfleet version of Roombas that just kept the bridge clean. I would have loved to have seen like a shot where like there's a cleaning lady like from Monty Python just like on the bridge <laughs> lifting up Spock's arm to dust under it. Housekeeping. <laughs> Piss off. <laughs> anyway. So there is finally, finally and from people who've listened to back episodes of Star Trek Monthly Monday and have just listened to Scott Gardner and I in general, like I I know we've we've griped many times because we griped through the 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 at least the first J.J. Abrams. You were smart enough to 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 bow out on uh, Into Darkness, but uh, you know we've talked about how like Star Trek kind of more lives on TV than it does in the movies, you know? And mm-hmm. it, it works so much better as a weekly running show with a weekly running cast that are, that, you know, get into their characters and get into you know, um, interacting with each other and just sort of fantasizing about a Star Trek TV show and, you know, maybe every once in a while you'd have an occasional one of those what was it, Star Trek uh, Continues or, you know, one of one of those right. productions made on the reproduction set that that some that were hit and miss, but you know, I mean, they were being made on a zero budget as as they could do their time. So you know, maybe one of those would come out every couple years or something like that. So now, finally, there's another uh, a, a new Star Trek TV show, an officially running Star Trek TV show. As we're recording this, it's just been um, picked up for a second season. So it's 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 going to continue. It's right. I I think I've watched the first eight episodes, and I think it has one more before it gets to the fall finale, which I think maybe might be their version of the mid season finale or or whatever. I don't think it's as long as eighteen episodes. I don't know. I don't. I I you know I didn't I didn't do the like cling on this as it was coming along so I wasn't paying attention to like the exact date when it was coming out and counting down the days because I knew when it got close I'd find out and I also knew it was going to be on a, a stupid streaming service that there was no way in on God's green earth that I was going to pay for you know to get one show so I knew it was probably going to be you know not going to be something I'm like I'm going to sit down and watch this live. Although I could because they, they did stream the first episode free for everybody of a two-part, you know, beginning. But are you uh, are you willing to go on record with, with how you are watching the show? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I'm torrenting it. Torrenting it, baby. <laughs> as if, kind of as if anybody, as if it doesn't, if, 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 as if we didn't, talk about how much we love that shit on our first very first episode of two true freaks <laughs> I have not changed my opinion on it as a matter of fact i've sort of doubled down and 
and cemented myself in. As a matter of fact, let's just have a little... Wait, let's just have a... Since we're back to back podcasting together, let's just have a little sit down and gloat about <laughs> things we said on our very first episode. Because it was just it's a little... It's not like, just... It's not even just our first episode, you know? I mean, we could do, and, and I don't want to tangent this too much, but we could do an entire episode about the shit we were right about in our eight years, yes. you know? Because there, there, was, there was actually a lot of it. I, I've been listening back. The Walking um, Dead TV show? Oh, <clears throat> a lot of stuff we've been, we've been dead on about. But yeah, you know, speaking strictly of just the subject matter of that very first episode... Um, you know, going all the way back to Two True Freaks episode one, we did an episode, and we, God, we were arrogant. I mean, just super arrogant about it. But we did an episode basically saying, hell yeah, we download all kinds of free shit, you know, and here's our stance on it. And it, it's funny. We, it's kind of, it's all come full circle in a lot of ways. But I, I, I think... We're kind of lucky or we'd sound like real, real jackasses right now. <laughs> But, but yeah, you just posted I, an article just a little while ago where they've started doing the studies and going like, oh, t- stuff that gets torrented a lot, actually, that that torrenting is actually making it more money. They make more money because of it. Mm-hmm. Bingo, bango. That's what the, that's what How the long ago did I call that shit, at least in regards to The Walking Dead? Oh, The Walking Dead! As soon as we started covering the comics, we were like, "Please, oh, please. we were, we." I mean, there's. I don't think there's any way we could have been like something like AMC should pick up The Walking Dead. We were basically like HBO or something, you know, right. or Showtime should pick this up because they could do it. Our basically, we were saying somebody who can do this rated R should do this because it's just laid out for you. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a. You know, Swiss shot. It's just the 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 easiest shoot fish in a barrel. You've got this fantastic story and premise, and then you've almost got it laid out in storyboard form in front of you. It would be fantastic, and it was for a little while. <laughs> I've stopped watching it, but it but it's still going. The oh, comics yeah. are still going too. Hmm. Which I've got but yeah, to... it was it was the early days of of you know the the digital file sharing for mm-hmm. for comics that really propelled that show or not the show the but the, the series the comic book series into the phenomenon that it became and the, we into called the that show it became and really... the torrents drove probably mm-hmm. drove that show a lot too I think so interesting but yeah definitely I think we've been ahead of the curve on a lot of stuff. And there was a lot of stuff we, we took a lot of flack for at the time. You know, we were called crazy and all kinds of other things about, you know, some opinions and some speculations and stuff. But we, I've noticed over time we've been borne out on a lot of that yeah. stuff. So. Yeah, and with this yeah. preface, I want people to think about that as they listen to this podcast and we give our opinion on Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> no arrogance here at all. No! No. So where do we want to go with this one? Well, I was going to start out with generally, um, I was going to talk about this discovery. I wanted to talk about like the positive aspects of it and first and the negative aspects of at first. But before I even got into that, I just wanted to talk about what I like to call the Vulcan death grip 
that exists between Star Trek and we could do this amongst any kind of, you know, fandom and the fandom and the the article that they worship. But we're going to we're going to do the death Vulcan death grip of Star Trek and fans and <laughs> how it's all, you know, it's an all but like a toxic death spiral basically. You know, you you the 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 way that social media and the way that we consume stuff these days just sets up this whole thing where like it's 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 hair raising to be a fan and it's and it, I I got to imagine especially since it's your job on the line and stuff it's hair raising to to make this stuff because you just you know even before you put it out to the point of and when you put it out it can get you know you're 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 facing evisceration before you even put it out you've got like the fans telling you including like people like us going like look if it's going to be star trek you got to have this you know and if you don't have this it's not star trek well then another person's going like dear star trek people will there be tribbles i like tribbles and then another person's says Somebody's got to say live long and prosper. Will somebody say live long and prosper? Because I like that. And then somebody will be like, this has to be about the wonder of space. And but, and so they're sitting there going like, okay, who do we listen to? You know, yep. this guy yep. didn't, <laughs> this guy didn't spell, tri- he spelled triple with one B. But then again, he probably still goes to see a lot of movies. <laughs> well, you know, I've noticed this with, a lot of fandoms over time and particularly with the fandoms that in very recent years have gotten the you know the the large like property wide slate wiping you know yes. the 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 hard reboot the newfangled and version and i think it's be- yeah I, and i think that's because of exactly what you're talking about I think that somewhere along the line, these creators just get tired of that shit, you know? And Mm -hmm. when it first started to happen, we were, I know I in particular was looking at that and I'd get really angry. And I would look at that as like, wow, that is the laziest, easiest way out right there to just go, I don't have time to read, you know, 5,000 issues of Captain America. I'm just going to wipe this lake or whatever the thing was, right? Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. But, you know, it wasn't just that. And I came to realize that over time. It wasn't just the backlog. You know, like, let's stick with the subject, Star Trek. It wasn't just the fact that, wow, look at the time you would have to devote to sit down and, and, and not only watch, but really pay attention, take notes and everything, and really learn Star Trek. Look at the time it would take you. Even if all you were, were really looking to research was Kirk era. Right. You know, I mean, that's still a hell of a lot of research you would have to do to get up to speed on the the minutia of Star Trek because you could literally just start people out there. You could start if you wanted to study like, you know, I mean, between you could either watch you could start by watching all the TV shows, but then there's and watch the movies. But then it's like, yeah, you should read this novel and this is as far as you want to go in like depth of star trek stuff you could probably just read thousands and thousands of pages to right but and and still not necessarily know it so well 
that mm. you're not going to make the occasional mistake that's going to set a certain section of the fandom into a tizzy. Right, and then but so, then again, if you bring a fan in who's already steeped themselves with that, you run the risk that you're going to get fan fiction too. So it's like, right, and and they've well, had also not all, not just fan fiction, but a lot of times too that. So because you've got all this then you also run that risk. And I hear creators, especially modern-day creators, say this a lot with, again, a, a wide variety of properties from comics to movies to whatever. Some, you know, If there's anything that's been around for a long time, then they start to feel that weight of the continuity, especially something like Star Trek that has been around now for over 50 years and for which a lot of the both the backstory and the forward story has now been written or at least a lot of the gaps have been filled in yeah so it starts to creatively stymie them especially again if you're talking about say kirk era for example there's a lot of that stuff that because that show has its roots and origins in the 1960s well a lot of their backstory we're well into that history and we know that things did not develop <laughs> right. the same way as their timeline did. Yeah, and I think so we've you, already you run passed that... through the um the genetics war, right? Haven't we? Oh yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it, it begins to you know, again, they start to feel the weight of that continuity. And I understand all of that. I I really do. But where I think they make their mistake is where they throw the baby out with the bathwater. Right. You know, and, and a lot of these franchises have done this in recent years. So I don't know. I mean, I feel like I'm in a weird position where I kind of see both sides as far as why they're doing this. And, you know, understand, I'm not trying to, you know, to, to I, I've become over time, I feel like quite the crusader for our people, if you know what I mean. So I don't want to sound like some sort of, you know, elitist snob of fandom or what. But I understand what you're saying as far as there is that section of our people that they they do focus on the little the the little things and they're not looking at the big picture. Right. And because maybe they're focused on the wrong thing, it it shifts the dynamic to a point where sometimes these properties that's why we get what we get. Uh, I'll give you well, a perfect well, example. I over time I've come to to really believe that the reason that the DC cinematic movies are where they are is largely because of the the really negative backlash that we got because of Superman Returns. Now, I'm not going to defend Superman Returns as some great piece of cinema because I don't think it is. But looking back on it now, was it really so bad that it was not something that, you, you know, burn the bridge? Yeah, exactly. That at least maybe deserved a sequel to maybe try to address some of the issues. But instead, they decided, well, screw it. We just can't seem to get these people what they want. So let's just hard reboot the entire damn thing and do what we want to do with it. And that's how you get to, you know, the places where they are now. And I really hate that. And I've seen that happen time and time again to where... We may not have liked where the franchise was at a particular time, but because of all the bitching and whining and kvetching about, you know, sometimes really ridiculous stuff, that's how we wind up where we wind up. And I think Star Trek is a great example of that. 
I still don't understand what the hell everybody's problem was with Star Trek Nemesis. Again, not to tangent us, but don't get me started. <laughs> because because of all the the you know just all the issues with that, that's how we wound up where we wound up because people just you know just tore it up. I mean, were we really? Was it really that bad that it wasn't still salvageable? Well, but instead, instead of trying to salvage it, they just decided, well, that's it. We're we're done with this, and I, we're just going to hard reboot, and we're going to do our own thing and piss on the fans. Well, and I think what that's happened, what with, it feels like. I think what happened with Star Trek, Star Trek, that you know, where we're we're gonna where we cut off with the last Next Generation movie, right? Because that that was after the TV show had ended, right? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, well after, yeah. So, I think what happened to Star Trek then was you just had it had become too regular on TV. Like on TV, they were just putting out series. I, I mean, I I tuned out. I tuned out by Deep Space Nine. You know, I was like, I can't follow. I don't. I can't follow three Star Trek series. They've come up with the and and you know and and all three of those series have their ups and downs or, or whatever, but I just couldn't, I've just never gotten into them yet because I was, there was sort of, I think there was sort of a fatigue and it wasn't that people didn't want it anymore, but it was just becoming that, you know, the, the, the movies and stuff. And I think Nemesis was their acknowledgement of like, all right, we're going to jazz this movie up a little bit or whatever. And it was sort of the last gasp for a while. And then the whole JJ Abrams thing, which was which, it, um, fair enough. We have a we have a TV show now, <laughs> at least. But you know the J.J. Abrams thing was is one of those. And here's another Vulcan death grip, of it where they really you know after the first movie, I I, I mean the first movie I was like yeah I liked it and 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 you were even passably you know okay with with it after you know initially viewing it but then after after darkness they pretty much heard loud and clear from people that sucked <laughs> and they tried to back it up a little bit and they took jj and jj abrams wasn't on the third movie and the third movie was appreciably better than than the other two but not a you know not necessarily a great star trek movie but i think even though all th- I, I, I'm sure the third one made money, but I think it really underperformed. And I think they just did, I, they made money on the first two and they, they actually got good reviews on the first two. But I think they, the, the fans really like, were like, yeah, you know, you don't really have the fans on this one. You have the general public will go see, to go see the like cartoonish versions of Kirk and, stuff in a a sort of popcorn version of the Star Wars version of Star Trek although the third one was definitely more Star Trek-y probably because it was minus J.J. Abrams but you know I think that that only works as popcorn so it didn't it didn't have the lasting effect I mean me I have the esoteric thing of Star Trek is like I want a Star Trek show to make little kids want to join NASA (laughs) that's that's what I think Star Trek is, you know. Little kid sees Star Trek and goes, I want to be in a spaceship exploring space. And how do I do that? You know, that's that's what I think. The, that To me, that's the essence of Star Trek. 
and by that time we'd gotten completely away from it where it was like okay Star Trek is pop entertainment but that brings us to Discovery and uh I, I, I know you're you're are, are you planning on ever watching it do you think or are you just like I, gonna I wait till so. no Mm-mm. um and, and we we can get into that afterwards yeah. the the whys but yeah you know it's Matt, it, it's not really going to affect any of <laughs> the discussion I hopefully have planned here. Um, well, like I said, they, they put it out on their on their, their stupid all-access network, and apparently it's it worked out okay for, for them. And there's stories that it was done because not as much that they thought they would make money off Star Trek, but as just to have a premium show on their their network to start the network off so they didn't really care if anybody you know they made a huge amount of money off it either way whatever way i don't care what the reasons are for the money to go to star trek but good money's going to star trek now (laughs) the show shall i tell you about star trek discovery listen as i tell scott gardner about star trek discovery i'm enjoying it I'm watching it. I'm, I look forward to every week, but oh my god, it's a hot mess. It is. Uh, it is that, and this is where the death grip comes in. They don't know who they they, they don't know who their audience is going to be. So they're trying to please every single person on the planet that wa- that has any interest in Star Trek, whether it be Kirk, Era. Little, not really next generation because it takes place way before you know before next generation, but you know it's like okay, here's the people who are steeped in the lore up to this point and series before, um, before this, and it actually there's allusions to actually there's there's connections possibly to Deep Space Nine, um, but it's also very visually from the sets to the the production visually the Abrams movies you know they they really sunk money into the special effects but there's lens flare and the, the you know the the ships are there um the discovery is actually dark cuz the captain has sensitive eyes so it's not like a well lit bridge but it still has that jj you know the 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 iPod sort of look to it, you know, a little little more advanced than it probably should be for its time period. Even Apple though, Store in space. What? Yeah, yeah, it, but it's not as much as is. It's somewhere halfway between. It's some melange of the you know um, Enterprise era mixed with the J.J. Abrams mixed with I think a little of the visual sense of maybe Deep Space Nine but you know it's 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 filmed very modern it's it's at some points it almost looks more like say the remake of uh, Battlestar Galactica that they did um, and this and its story is told in a modern way whereas you may have you may have an episode that just sort of has one side story or focus story into it, but there's always stuff going on about the larger narrative. And there's a narrative about you know they have a ship with an experimental drive, and 
it's the beginning of the war with the Klingons. So there's there's intrigue amongst the Klingons. And that goes on and every once in a while they'll discover something or they'll have to go to a planet for something and then something will happen on the planet. So there's a little bit of that. Okay, it's an ongoing story, but also it's episodic, you know. So they're trying to get literally every aspect of Star Trek, you know. You have, like, you can look at computer screens. It's like, oh, they there's Captain Archer on that, you know. There's on, on lists of former, of great, you know, Starfleet captains on the computer printout. You can see Archer. Oh, there's a Tribble. There's a Gordon skeleton, you know. And here's a reference to this and a reference to that. And and Sarek is in it. Sarek is the father of the main character, the, you know, adopted father of a human woman who's raised as a Vulcan. And um, the story is generally good, and the writing is, like, so incredibly up and down. Sometimes it's great. Sometimes it's terrible. But, okay, the positives. <laughs> um, every episode seems to have one genuinely Star Trek thing in it, you know, that 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 doesn't feel like they were just like... They may have been like, we have to hit this story beat because it's a Star trek beat. But if they did, they hit it well. And like in the, f- it probably it was in the first part of the, um, the pilot, which started out the first 20 minutes. I was like, oh no, <laughs> oh no, this is bad. You know, like really bad. Like the writing was clunk, 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 clunky in the first like 20 minutes. But then they discover, you know, this sort of thing on the edge of, I, I, I think they're on the edge of Klingon space. Anyway, like a communication satellite's been knocked out and they see this giant thing back from the satellite. And they're like, okay, that's probably what took out the satellite. But it's through an asteroid field and so they have to take a spacesuit to explore it. So the, the main character, um, Michael Burnham, the woman from uh, Sonequa Martin-Green, I think from uh, Walking Dead, takes out, Walking a, Dead, yeah. takes out a, a spacesuit and goes to... Um, and just, just for anybody listening, there's going to be like mild spoilers because I'll talk about some stuff. But it turns out to be a Klingon ship. But it looks just sort of like this giant pod, and it's it's pretty much since she is a technically very Vulcan, it's kind of a, a, a take off on the scene from Star Trek: The Motion Picture when Spock goes into V'ger, and she's just sort of jetting around this thing, and the ship can't hear, her, but she's recording into her recorder very much like Spock and she's you know it's huge and she's you know she's just like there's there's these protrusions along the side I can't tell if it's organic or if it's been built if it's been built it's incredibly detailed and you know just generally describing it and it's sometimes going whoa this is this is beautiful but you know I still there doesn't seem to be any entrances into it and I'm like this is a Star Trek moment right here this is just like and the thing you know it's a cool scene and it's and you're you're seeing it as she's describing it and you can hear the wonderment in it and it turns out to be you know they're they're 
mortal and it's the beginning of a war but it, before the war starts she's and she already has a uh a big you know chip on her shoulder because she ended up with Sarek because her parents were killed by Klingons Klingon bastards killed her parents and uh so she she's you know marveling at the beauty of this Klingon ship and then you know by the end of the second part of the the pilot they're at war with the with the Klingons and basically everybody's blaming her you know she there she she basically uh has a mutiny on her ship because as you know as the daughter of Sarek she knows that the first time the Vulcans met the Klingons they figured out the Klingon psychology and realize that like the first thing you do when you see a Klingon ship for the first time f- blast them <laughs> hit them hit them with photon torpedoes and then be, and then hail them and then they respect you and then you can they'll talk you know then you're in talking mode and uh the captain was just like oh let's uh let, you know let's have a little chat with the Klingons and stuff and Burnham's like no we got to fire on them and they're like you're crazy she actually nerve pinches the captain out and you know and she was second in command and comes out and and the captain wakes up and puts an end to it she's court-martialed and sent to prison for life (laughs) and then gets sucked into the discovery that the captain of the discovery picks her up and that's another uh the guy who plays the captain um jason isaacs is is good he's he's very star trek captainy he he's he's got a little bit of um of what's his name from Enterprise with that sort of actor face. Scott Bakula. So he's got a little Bakula in him, but he's got a little Kirk where he's uh, but it, actually he's sort of more like a like a Kirk you know, maybe with the injection that that McCoy got and said on the edge of forever, just a little bit of it. <laughs> Cuz he's he's off his rocker. He's 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 also he 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 his backstory was he sacrificed a whole ship's crew. He blew them up rather than have them getting you know um basically captured, tortured and eaten by the Klingons. He blew up his whole ship. So he's a little he's a crazy like kill 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 all the Klingons type of guy and he'll do basically do anything to keep his ship and kill Klingons. So I don't know if he's actually meant to be around for a very long time, but he's a he's a decent he's a he I, he's does a he does a good job with his uh, uh, role. The um, the standout on the show is uh, the guy Doug Jones who plays Saru, who's like this nine foot alien with hooves, and he has um, little feelers in the back of his neck that detect danger and uh like impending death and stuff so like it's basically he has spidey sense but these little like things will come out of his his neck and his race their whole sort of being is is like cowardice and self-preservation but he's not uh, a wimpy character he's he's a very intense character and has a some of the some most of the best scenes between two characters in in this show are between him and uh, Michael Burnham. They have a lot of tension. They both served on the ship that she mutinied, and he really admired her, but now he hates her because he basically just ruined her. 
you know, that was his ship. That ship ended up getting destroyed, and he, she ruined his, you know, his aspirations in Starfleet. You know, now he has to start all over again. But he's really good, and um, the guy and uh, I, 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 I hate to say this, uh, Harry Mudd shows up. And uh, Rain Wilson, who plays Harry Mudd, does a good job. The guy who plays Sarak does a great job. Although they have one episode that's um oh um it's not Journey to Eden. What was the one where we first meet Sarak? Journey to Babel. Journey to Babel. Yeah. Journey to Babel. It's it's basically Journey to Babel, and Sarak is being you know pursued by an is almost assassinated, and is dying in. And he had this. This is into the semi cheesy negative, but he he and he is. There was a time when Michael Burnham almost died, and he had to share some of his katra with her to uh, for her to pull through, so he can communicate with her. So and she's Vulcan, then? She's no, she's human. So she's like McCoy. She's got some Sarek, but she's got Sarek katra in her. And he put some of it in her well, to save her life. How is she doing life. nerve pinches and stuff if she's human? Yeah, yeah. Those are the questions that that get asked. I mean, obviously she was raised as a Vulcan, but is that something hmm. a, a human can be taught to do? Apparently, so she was. There's whole other story elements where she was, you know, she was rejected from the Vulcan. Um, basically the Vulcan Air Force and and because they would only take one of Sarek's kids and since Spock was half human and she was full human they'd rather take Spock and then Spock said no I'd rather go to Starfleet and there's that, that whole storyline but yeah she's got some Sarek Katra in, in her so when when she's in danger or when Sarek's in danger like in extreme situations it's already happened twice in eight episodes they can you know he'll show up in her mind and this one he was like dying so she was going into the dying Sarek's mind you know in this sort of dream world but it turned into a stupid matrix she would have matrix fights with Sarek in in his dream world you know trying to you know come on come out of it and they would do like slow motion clink, um, Vulcan Kung Fu on each other and, and and it's just like really? that we, we, Klingon Kung Fu? Which, okay, let's just get into the negatives <laughs> um, um, the opening credits the music, not bad and, and it's got you know, some of the original Alexander Courage theme to it but the the visuals that go along with it, I personally think Star Trek opening credits work as, and this is why, besides that god-awful song on Enterprise, I, th- I, di- I didn't like that opening credits either. This one doesn't just have, it should just be the Discovery flying through space. Or, you know, or, or using its warp drive and coming into different places. Instead, it has this sort of, you know, you know how they do modern um, intros now that, you know, they'll do a sort of, right. um, you know, just sort of esoteric. It's like a montage. Montage yeah. sort of thing. And this is like a, a digital animation 
sort of thing of of the discovery flying and like it'll go by a planet and you'll see like a vine come up and try to grab it and then a uh, phaser will like come up as sort of a um, semi-realistic wireframe and then form into a phaser and then it'll sort of mist away and then a tricorder will come up and stuff like that and that's what I don't like about it is it's not focusing on the idea of Star Trek which is a spaceship out in space that's what you know when you see it when like when I'm watching a Star Trek episode and the opening credits are going and I always watch the opening credits even though they're exactly the same every time it gets me in that mood of like here's my spaceship flying through you know I want to be you know I want a room on that spaceship and a job on that spaceship and oh they're flying by a planet oh they're flying by a nebula you know and stuff like that and this one's like we have tricorders and here's a phaser this is what they look like here's what the communicators look like you know it's the stuff and and that's not what star star trek isn't about the stuff the stuff is a decoration on the ideas so i think putting that at the beginning is kind of a, a misstep um you know the whole throwing of everything at the wall and the writing being up and down is just it's 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 crazy it's not inconsistent with star trek in general and you know one thing that i've sort of settled in my mind about star trek i, I don't know if you maybe you'll agree with me on this is there's never been there's there's never been a perfect star trek and i'm just talking about tv shows because the movies can be taken as individual things, but like as a series, there's never been a perfect Star Trek series. Every Star Trek series seems to have, you know, optimally a percentage of like classics of like, okay, this one goes down in the record books is like what would get you hooked on the series, you know? And, and it's like, and then it has a certain percentage of them that are just like, all right, this is this is a workmanlike decent episode, and then it has some real clunkers and dogs and and just goofy ass ones or ones that you like flat out hate, you know. It just or, and and the same with there's characters that you just can't stand, you know. In the original, so, so you're saying se- no perfect series. There's no such thing as a perfect, perfect Star episodes. Trek series. So, so to right. make a final okay. like negative judgment on on any Star Trek series, you almost have to like play it out because this one has a very very similar feel to it. it's like. Uh, several others, uh, maybe Next Generation, Enterprise, stuff like that, where it's generally agreed that the you know the first season or two were kind of rough. They didn't know what they were, exactly what they were doing. Right. The cast and crew were trying to get you know a couple people are going to get bumped from the cast, bring in some you know do a little tinkering on it, and eventually they would find their flow for a while and maybe sometimes peter out or just get canceled or whatever but in and amongst that you would end up getting some some really classic stuff and a lot of a lot of crap and i think 
so far, this is consistent with Star Trek. It's recognizable as Star Trek, but it's got to find its footing. It's got to it's got to get into some it's got to figure out what the groove is that makes it work. And you know, this is where the death the death grip is there, but you know, they can also pick up feedback uh, you know, and I would say if, if I were the Star Trek Discovery people, what I would exclusively do for feedback is listen to Two True Freaks and see, and maybe look on the Two True Freaks <laughs> Facebook page and see what we think if you want to have a successful Star Trek show. But anyway, on to the uh, more negatives. The, my, one of my biggest negatives, oh, there's a character in this I can't stand. Generally, I'm happy with all the acting in it. They have this uh, uh, cadet Tilly, and she's this young, fresh-faced cadet. And hey, she's she's Michael Berman's roommate, and she's chirpy and fresh, and she talks like somebody off the WB, you know. Of you know, like there there was some there, there was some scene in one of the recent ones where she's talking to their new security officer. Who may or may not be a Klingon in disguise, and uh, you know she's like, "You seem to be in a bad mood. You know, why don't you tell me what's wrong?" And he's like, "I don't want to talk about it." And she's like, "Well, that—that's kind of my thing. Is people talk to me about stuff like that and like explain it. Like she's being meta, like explaining what basically just." saying what her character is in the story you know i'm someone that people can put their their exposition on you know say their exposition to and she's always using sort of modern catchphrases oh i i you know like i totally get that and stuff like that and i think they what the 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 one thing that made me think this is okay this is why they put this character in here and what she represents and i think what they want her to they want her to be the proxy of like the the sort of younger fan person who's really into star this is what you know the the star trek fans are which of course is totally not but she's the character that dropped the f bomb the, the infamous... Uh, I don't know if you saw on the internet, but it was like, Star Trek just dropped the F-bomb. Yeah. So there's two two F-bombs and, and that... And, you know, and there you go. There's an episode that was rolling right along. And actually the scene with the F-bomb in it was rolling right along really good. And, and I was actually thinking while I was... Okay, I'll set up the scene. There, you know, there's a Star Trek problem. And there's the guy, in, the engineering guy is down in engineering with Tilly and I think a third person and they're standing in front of a panel and they're figuring out a problem. So engineering guy is a super, super brain, of course. So he's explaining, yeah, but if we, you know, bypass this and put this through this and then do this and turn it into a, you know, transducer, we could do this. And by that we would be, you know, and, and I'm sitting there think, watching this going, okay, this is very Star trek because I'm following what he's saying they're going to do, but it is also like a little bit of, uh, you know, psycho, um, techno babble in there too. But he's also explaining 
you know, the basically what they're going to do, and it's understandable. And the two, you know, cadets are sitting there looking at him, and I'm like, okay, this is a real Star Trek moment. They're figuring out the problem with science and logic and being creative. And at, while I'm thinking that, she goes, wow, this is so fucking cool. And, the, you know, then there's an awkward science and or silence, and the engineering guy's like, well, you know, blah, 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 but yes, this is fucking cool, or something like that. And I just hate that, because basically she was saying the writers had written her and that that scene with her with the swear was her supposedly expressing what the viewer was feeling at that point that's not what I was feeling at that point I was sort of feeling that but I wouldn't have you know why does it have to be so fucking cool in in Star Trek and it's like just like uh, like DC with the super with like Batman versus Superman and less a little less so with Man of Steel. It's like why would you ma- want to make a Star Trek mo- thing that automatically now some parents are going to be like, "Oh, no, can't watch this," you know? And they've hinted that there could be boobs, boobs in Star Trek 2. And God I, I knows I love boobs. You, you love boobs, right? But I don't need them in Star Trek. Yeah, There's but... plenty of places to look yeah. at boobs. You know, it's just like I, I, I want my, I want the Star Trek to be accessible. I want it to make a little kid want to join NASA. I don't want the little kid to have their first sexual awakening watching Star Trek. Although, you know, I mean, I mean, there was there, there were moments of the original Star Trek where, as a youth, but there, you know. <laughs> Come on, I'm 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 happy with Kirk just putting. I you know, I think Star Trek maybe should go as far as the the next generation Planet of the Porno Stars. You know, that's that's about as <laughs> as hardcore as we can we should get with Star Trek. Or or or, or Troy having a little uh, ball of light, you know, pop into her belly and and make a baby. Let's see. Oh, so many, uh, so many things to respond to on this. Um, That's my list I, of negatives. So hard, yeah, yeah, I'm, it's, it's I'm dying to hear to, what you have to say. <laughs> it's hard for me to know even where to begin on this, but uh, I want to I tackle some things that you that you said. So, you know, going all the way back to the beginning of our conversation when we were talking about how we made some predictions or or we we had some opinions that we felt like over time we've been borne out on. Mm -hmm. And one that has always stuck in my mind was when we went to a panel at, hell, I guess it must've been Dragon Con. Yes. And we went to that panel for the Star Trek fan series. Yeah, the James Colley shows. That was him, yeah, and and the poor guy. I, I ended up feeling kind of bad for him because the the first Abrams film had just come out, and we were in a room full of fans, many of whom were really really pissed off about that movie, and really wanting to talk about it. You know, it, they they almost needed to talk about it for therapy, and the poor guy was just trying to sell his show. 
and and I felt bad for him because well, he, he was, was trying also, to keep it I on think topic. I got kind of screwed, but because I think I here's my conspiracy theory: they gave him just like a walk-on background actor part in the movie, and I think once he got that background part in the movie, he was probably contractually bound not to talk shit about it. And as you and I right. know. He wanted to talk shit about it. <laughs> he, he did. Yeah, he did. He really wanted to. Yeah. He both did and he didn't. I mean, because he, he was trying to sell his thing, so he was trying not to let it just uh, devolve into just, you know, a, a giant bitch session, which it was, it really threatened to do a number of times. But at the same rate, you could tell he had his issues as well and kind of wanted to get into it, but that just wasn't the, the proper time and right, place. Right, right. But anyway, during all of that, uh, I remember we had opportunities to ask questions and everything. I remember, and I don't know if you remember this or not, but I remember asking him if I felt like this movie, you know, the the move to do the reboot, the James, uh, or J.J. Abrams rather, the J.J. Abrams thing, all of that was an attempt to take Star Trek from us, the nerds, you know, as as we're perceived by you know the the regular folks, you know these these you know nose picking dweeby dorky you know the the, the stereotypical right. things that people associate with Star Trek fans, was it an attempt to take it from us and give it to the cool kids? Because that was the distinct impression I got from that was my that was my big takeaway from the J.J. Abrams movie was that. They saw potentially cool things in it, but they wanted to take the the just the nerdy shit out and make it slick and polished and cool and you know a commercial all those a commercial popcorn chomper that you did, exactly that you didn't have to that you didn't have to pay attention to too much exactly yeah, it, just presenting and, and the I basic really, elements right and I really felt that way. I still feel that way. And I remember him trying his best to leverage Be nice. a diplomatic response, <laughs> but I didn't feel it. You know, no. I, I felt more like he Well, remember he we talked really to him a little did... bit afterwards, you know, on the right. side, and he was a lot more candid on the side, you know? Right. And so that's kind of where Star Trek lives for me now, you know, as far as the ongoing is it's something I can easily ignore because to me it's not really Star Trek anymore. They have taken it and they've sullied it. Like many properties in recent years, they took it away from the the core audience, the ones that have nurtured it and, and followed it and been faithful to it, and they took well, it away from us because we're just not the cool kids. Well, here's the thing about that. And they repackaged it and and bastardized it and do all that they do to it in order to try to romance this nebulous other audience that they feel is is going to I don't know spend more money I guess is really the the bottom line well, you know I think that, that they're going to have bigger that mm-hmm. backfired on them I think I think well like I mean the way you're fra- the, the the way you're f- framing it is I can I can totally agree with that with you know that that version of it but you know, I mean, there's there's various interpretations of it. Of like, I'm sure they would be like if you listen to the execs in in the room with J.J. Abrams talking about it. They were like, you know, 
we have to reach the general audience, and the general audience doesn't know or care about the blah 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 because basically exactly, the general yeah. audience is a lot more people, so they it's a lot more money, and you know we're gonna put some money into this, but where the backfire comes in is yes, it's true, and that audience did did like it. They you know they went and watched it, and they probably bought the DVD of it and stuff like that but they're not going to be faithful <laughs> you know they're they're, they're right. not like they're not like all right when do we find out you know the 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 they're entertaining movies but they're not compelling to where the, where they're going to make people go like i wonder what happens to kirk and crew next you know they were just it's given short-sightedness they were given three digestible it's short-sighted right right and that and that's done it's... now with that third movie They've realized that's done. Nobody cares anymore. Your only op what are your options? A TV show is an option, but like movie-wise right now, what are the their only options with Star Trek would be like some form of reboot or some form of return back to the, you know, prime timeline or something like that. It's definitely not going to be the Abrams verse is pretty much done, you know. We're we're done. There's I'm sure there's there'll be comic books <laughs> coming out featuring that that thing, but it's basically done, and I don't think there's any demand for any. Are more they not of it. talking a fourth movie? Because I thought I heard that that they they were talking a fourth movie well, already. Are the they not? Third movie, I know the third movie. I know they were talking a fourth movie before the third movie. <laughs> But I know the third movie that that uh, uh, I, I think the third movie might have made money, but I don't think it made much at all. And I don't think the it, it seemed like that. Basically, the third movie, even though technically as a Trek movie, it's a lot better than the other two. It's a it's a it's and because I think the budget went down, and J.J. Abrams went away. Bye. But. It was it was a watchable. It was it felt more like one of the next generation movies, one of the one right. of the, you know like Insurrection or something like that. You know, uh, uh, just it's sort of... funny you should mention that because that was another thing I wanted to to mention in this. There's a great quote in Insurrection, which is a movie that. Um, Last I knew, no, it was I like still one. considered one of the one of the weaker. Yeah, I do too. Um, it's actually of the next gen movies. It's my personal favorite. Last I knew, the opinion of that one is pretty damn low. I think I think that's the lowest one next to the last one, uh, Nemesis, if I'm not mistaken. But I appreciate that movie for a number of reasons, uh, for things it attempted to do. But there's a great line in that movie where at the very beginning of the movie they're kind of on a, a, a diplomatic mission of sorts and everybody's kind of coming to Picard and bombarding him with different things that are going to take them further and further away from what he wants to do and there's a scene they all pile into the turbo lift and it's it's Picard and basically all of his officers around him as all of this stuff has just been put on their plate for all these things that they have to do. Fighting fires, he calls it. And he just turns to them and he says, does anybody remember when we used to be explorers? And I love that line because I think it's very telling. I think somewhere in the writing, unless that was an improv line, somebody, 
either consciously or subconsciously realized yeah. where Trek was headed. Yeah. And I, I, I always interpreted insurrection as an attempt to steer Trek back. You know, yes. your mileage may vary on how you feel about that movie, but well, that's one of the reasons I love that movie. And it's it, it always has pained me that it's one of the reasons that people cite why they hate the movie is that it was a return to the roots, not only of the next generation, but of Star Trek in mm -hmm. general, because they were on a classic Star Trekian mission where there is a science fiction mystery they have to investigate it and they have to solve it. And that to me is the nature of Star Trek. I, it is a quest. It is a quest for knowledge. I remember and, walking out of that movie yeah, with all ahead. my friends and they're all like, well, that was underwhelming. And I'm like, are you kidding me? That was like, it was like two good episodes of next generation. You know, I, I'd pay the at, at the time, $7 or whatever. I'm like, I'd pay $7 for two decent next generation episodes that are brand new and that's what that's what it felt like to me it had a little bigger budget but they could you could tell the budget had gone down it was it had the feel of a tv show you know they had to film it and make concessions like it you know have a lot of like all right we're running around in the back lot you know i love that aspect of star trek i i think that there's a lot of reasons I don't think it's any one thing that you can point to. I think there's a lot of reasons why Star Trek changed and why it moved away from what it what it was and what it what I feel and I believe you do too what what I feel it needs to be. But my biggest reason going you know again going back to the beginning of this of why I, I'm really just not interested in this latest incarnation. Not to say that there's not things that sound interesting and intriguing, but at the end of the day, you know, when I'm hearing that they're dropping F bombs, not that I'm some prude. I mean, I drop the F bomb 15 times a day myself, you know? Well, you know me, so it's I not love swear that. words, it's, and I'm like, swear all it's the time, not, but there's, you know, it's context. But, you know, Exactly. You know, Star that doesn't belong in Star Trek. It, it just doesn't. You know that that doesn't fit. Oh, it's like they. they um, it's like it's like oh, they just put out um, oh, what is the fucking movies with the the fucking movies with the with the minions in it? You know, they they put out Minions Four and they say shit in it. You know, it's like no, that's a movie for kids. You right. know, and Star Trek isn't is for kids and adults. But it should be open for kids, and kids hear more salty language these days. But I know for a fact, there's lots of parents out there that if their kids are like eight or nine years old, they're not going to let them watch that when they see the rating on right. the TV and see that it's with you know it's it, it contains harsh language and stuff. They're going to be like, oh no, no, this isn't the right rating for you, and and then no Star Trek. And then, the, then it's an episode in the middle of a storyline that's running, and you know it's not it's not fair to the children. But well, yeah, you know, two thoughts on that is is you're right. I don't I don't want my Star Trek to be kitty. You know, I don't want it just for the kids. However, you're absolutely right. I want it to be accessible to children. Mm -hmm. It's you know the, this. It's interesting because I really see Star Trek as being in pretty much the same place I see DC Comics being in right now. 
And I found it very interesting what you were saying. Now, I haven't seen this show, and I don't really plan to watch this show, but just, just by your description, what it sounds like to me this show is trying to do is the same thing that Superman recently tried to do. So in our Facebook group, we have some folks that both publicly and privately have really been working me hard to try to get me back into <laughs> Superman. And to a point where, you know, they were sending me, you know, pictures and, and panels and, and uh -huh. issue recommendations and all this I stuff to try to get me to pick it back up. So I don't know if I, if I, if I told anybody this or not. So I finally went and, and read the issues that they recommended, which was the big supposed return of my Superman. And I went and I read them. And here's the thing. It's not that it was completely horrible. It's not that there weren't things in there that I said, all right, I like this because there, there were things I liked. But here's why ultimately I walked away and said, eh, nice try, but no thank you. I'm a big, I, I'm, I'm very black and white. And I think you know that about I know me. That. I, I don't think yes. there's really any mystery about that to it's anybody not, that knows me well. It's not a black well, and white I'm, issue I'm, if you're black and white at this. <laughs> I, I'm, yeah, exactly. I, I'm, I'm very black and white. And one of the things that really, really, really irritates me about all aspects of my life is when somebody just can't shit or get off the pot. Just oh. shit or get off the pot. Well, that's a, that phrase I didn't come up with. Can't I... shit or get off the pot. Just shit or get off the pot. Okay, so with the Superman thing, I think that these people, and they're my friends, and I appreciate them, I, I, and I don't want anybody to walk away from this you know, upset and going, well, screw him, I'm not going to try anymore. It's not that. I appreciate when people are, are trying to... You know, when they think they're trying to help me out or, or point things out or, or whatever, I know that there was good intent behind this. So when they were telling me things like, you know, that they, they brought back the John Byrne, you know, elements and things like that. I, 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 you know, initially, I was very excited about that because that's my Superman. But here's the thing. So as they're basically re reinforming you on Superman's origins and it's basically a, a tweaked and updated origin for a modern audience yes there were elements of John Byrne's Krypton visible on Krypton but there were also elements from Secret Origin and there were elements from uh, Birthright and there were all these elements in there that basically what they're trying to do is they're both trying to have their cake and eat it too, but they're also trying to appeal to everybody. Yes. And when it comes to things like this, that is a really, really difficult proposition that generally doesn't work because you have to most of the time, you, you've got to just make a decision. You've got to shit or get off the pot. You're either going to embrace some things and let other things go, or in the effort to try to please everybody, you're not going to please anybody. And for me personally, it didn't please me because I, I saw right through it to, yeah, okay, you're just throwing me a bone, but you're not really sincere about this. And that's kind of like, that's kind of what it sounds like with this new Star Trek show is that by 
having it feel Kirk era, but there's an element of Deep Space Nine to it because people like that shit, right? And there's an element of J.J. Abrams because we don't, you know, we don't want to we don't want to disenfranchise the the brand new fan that discovered Star Trek because now it's cool with J.J. Hey, J. Abrams. And, and let's so face I, it, it's 2017, so you can't look like yeah clunky sets. Yeah, and you know you want to you want to appeal to the to the teen set, and you want to appeal to people that are edgier and they want you know the the f word in their show and. You want to appeal to the Walking Dead crowd, and you want yes. to appeal to this crowd, and that. And by doing that, what you do is you you create a, you know, I think you said it yourself. You create a mess. Hot you mess. don't create anything that's 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 yeah. focused, oh. and decidedly one thing. You create something where by trying to please everybody, you you wind up with kind of a hot mess. My, my impression so, of the how the mess got there is, I think. In, and and I, I totally agree with you. They are trying to plead, they're trying to throw something in for everyone. And what I think they did was they what they did was they came up with an engaging storyline, good characters, and uneven writing. But you know, every the storyline has sucked me in. The storyline is like this is this is interesting. You know, and it's keeping me going, and the characters are learning things about each other and interacting with each other, and it's interesting. But on top of that, it's it, okay. So picture your storyline just as you know a standard story going through, and then watch some writer take toothpicks and just start sticking them regularly but randomly into points, and each one of those toothpicks is you know something glaringly there to go like what about this you know what about this you like this it, and it's either a concession to, to to be like okay we put in that thing that you like or i think it's a combination of that and all right we'll stick all these elements in and then we'll see what the reaction is to it we'll see how they react on on facebook to them say you know and and when you're i'm a member of a one of the official star trek facebook pages so they're like so what did you think of today's episode should there be swear so i think it's almost do you like, remember in do you remember in star trek 4 there's another great line where so the whale probe is hanging in space and it's sending out this signal but they can't interpret the signal they, they know that this thing is looking for a response, right. but because they don't understand the question, they can't respond. And somebody, I think it's Kirk, says something to the effect, can we, can we duplicate the noises and send it back? You know, can we, can we take whale song, essentially, and throw it back at the probe? And Spock is the one that says we would be responding in gibberish. We mm -hmm. can duplicate the sounds, but not the language. So we would right. be responding with nonsense. And that's, that's a lot of how I see what's going on with this. Because when you do what you're talking about, when you take, when, when you have that thing of, let's throw a bone to this audience and let's throw a bone to that audience. And let's, let's throw in, Tribbles because that's a Star Trekky thing, right? And you do all those things. What it creates the appearance of, whether it's true or not, 
it creates the appearance that all you understand is the trappings right. of Star Trek. Right. But that you don't understand what Star Trek actually is. Now, that to me was incredibly apparent with the J.J. Abrams oh, yeah. film. No, the first that... one was that he understood the visual and he understood the trapping. Spock has pointy ears. The Enterprise has two nacelles and a saucer section. And, you know, so the, the things that we associate with Star Trek, the legend and Star Trek, the visual, some things that even weren't true, like Kirk always bangs a green woman, which right. never happened, you know, things like that. The trappings of what we all communally think of as Star Trek, however, missing the point of Star Trek, the, the, what, what it really is. And that, I think, is ultimately the problem with these things. But I also see it as, and this is kind of what I was getting to before with, with talking about insurrection and, and especially with Nemesis, it pains me to say this, but I think it's time that we, and I mean we collectively, the fandom, the the true fans of these properties, and not just Star Trek. This goes for DC Comics. This goes for Star Wars. This goes for anything where there have been changes, often horrible changes, that we're not happy with. I think that there's a certain degree of mea culpa that we all have to accept at this point that because of the way that we have acted that we're culpable in this we, oh, yeah. we've kind of done it to ourselves oh, yeah. you know i remember i remember specifically there being a begathon with uh sir patrick stewart when nemesis came out do you remember this saying please go see this movie support this movie now, I don't remember exactly now what his reasons were, but I'd kind of like to think that maybe he saw the writing on the wall, that if this movie was not a huge commercial success, right. that that was going to be it for Star Trek. I think oh, somewhere sure maybe maybe that. somebody told him that, you know? Oh, I'm sure. But I think he understood that, that, that this was Trek's, true Trek's last gasp, that if the fans didn't support this, then that was it. And of course, the fans didn't support it. And I'm perfectly willing to throw. I'm not. I'm not talking like you guys did this. I'm talking we, and, and I'm including myself. I didn't even go to see Nemesis in the theater. The only see, Star Trek I, I didn't like it, but I, I on the didn't like screen it. Screen is 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 the first one and the last one. You know, I didn't go see it because I don't know. Uh, uh, for me, it wasn't that uh, that I wasn't interested. I got lazy. Yeah. You know, you, you were alluding to this before. We got spoiled. We forgot. They were coming out so often a... that it's like you could slough one off, you know? Yeah. There was what? Like a good 10 year or better stretch? Yeah. We it... forgot about that. You know, we forgot about between 68 and 7, 78, 79, there was nothing for Star Trek, but novels and comic books, shitty ones for the most part. We <laughs> forgot about that. We got spoiled because now, you know, there's there's three Star Trek TV shows. We're getting a movie every couple of years. We got spoiled and we took Star Trek for granted and we started to bitch and complain about every little thing that they were presenting to us and nothing was ever good enough. And all of a sudden, because it started to underperform, 
well, they're not ready to give up on this. They they think that there's still potential there for making a buck because ultimately, and that's a tough pill for a lot of us fans to swallow. Ultimately, this is a business for these people. It always has been. You know, while there are lofty aspirations for Star Trek, and I want to talk about that too in a moment. At the at the end of the day, bottom line, Star Trek is a business. Star Wars is a business. DC Comics is a business. Mm-hmm. They have to make money so and it's in a changing media world too so they're in they're they're you know so So by not supporting quote-unquote real star trek when we were getting it but just continually bitching and whining and complaining and focusing on the wrong things they took it away from us and they gave it to a, a a fickle audience, but an audience that at least for the first couple of them spent money. Worked out the money. And yeah. they spent more money than we did. So it's hard to say that they were wrong because from a financial, you know, from a uh, financial point of view, they were proven correct. The problem is, is that there's a big difference between the financial well yeah the executives getting about. paid and the and fans the getting a good star trek movie <laughs> yeah and that's what well, we care about what 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 frustrates me most about about um discovery is is it's got a good it's got it's as if you just take the basic plot without all the stupid toothpicks stuck into it it's a decent to pretty good and sometimes at points very good Star Trek TV show. It feels like a Star Trek TV show even with the the, the different visual style it still has enough to feel like a Star Trek but what they won't have they don't have the confidence to just leave it at that you know and be like okay let's put it out there and, and we got our story we got our characters here it is Instead, they, they, they're so, like, tentative about it, and uh, once again, we're culpable in that, that they're like, we, okay, we just did something very Star Trekky for the people like Chris Honeywell. Let's make this character pointed out with a swear, you know, to make sure that they know that we're trying, you know, it's, it's like these little desperate toothpicks <laughs> stuck in going, here you go. Here you go. Uh, you know, they in in a recent episode they just did the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few lines, you know, in sequence in a, in another context that didn't quite work. And it's just like, ah, come on, just let your story go. You know, I don't know if there's like executives in there. I don't know if there's one writer who's a prick who's like, let me add this, let me add this. But it's annoying as hell. Hopefully, hopefully it'll go away. Hopefully they'll either take those toothpicks and gauge the reaction of them and go like, all right, you know, people don't care about this and they care about this and we'll we'll just do this and we'll relax. I mean, we'll find out when. But what you've been talking about is the perfect segue to sort of what I know a lot of listeners out there are are thinking is the big elephant in the room, and that's the TV show The Orville. Now here's where things, this is where I think things in the state of the Star Trek Union get very, very, very interesting. 
because you you have not watched the Orville also. Let, let, I have not. I, I I knew that, but just for the sake of the show, let me let me describe the Orville. To, the Orville is pretty much a carbon copy of Star Trek: The Next Generation, and I heard about it by seeing. I'm not. I'm going to start right out by saying I am not a fan of Seth MacFarlane. I'm not a huge hater of the stuff that he's made, but Seth MacFarlane himself kind of grates on me. You know, when I've seen him play roles and stuff, or seen him do interviews and stuff, he just comes off as this kind of smarmy, douchey guy, or whatever. Yeah, smarmy's the word. Yeah, and like. Family Guy, you know. No, correct so, me if I'm wrong. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you just answered my question. Fa- I was just gonna say people that, that love was, Family that was my Guy. Question. He's, see, you know, here's the thing, and this is this. I, I'm gonna risk losing listeners, but I'm just gonna say it. Family Guy sucks. Well, I don't understand what the hell everybody sees in that show. I've tried to watch it on the recommendation of many of my close friends, and I just think it's stupid. I, can, I don't think it's funny can, at all. So I can I watch it. But I'm not a big like because I think the the problem with me with Family Guy and pretty much everything up until the Orville with Seth MacFarlane's output, and I've seen a bit of the 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 Teddy Bear movie and and uh, and the sequel to the Teddy Bear movie, and I've seen a, quite a few episodes of Family Guy. But the thing is, they're 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 fluff. He's he's basically a gag writer. You know, he's like. He writes his his movies and his TV shows are just a series of gags, so you watch it and like some of the gags are funny, some of them aren't. But at like South Park, when they ridiculed them, they're just random references a lot of times, you know, like cultural right. references and stuff. And uh, it's it's basically an exercise in how many of those you can throw out, and how many jokes and stuff. But when it comes down to it, like the difference between Family Guy and stuff like King of the Hill or The Simpsons is he doesn't, the characters aren't really developed. They're just pure farce and there's no, there's just nothing to them. And, and he doesn't have, like, sometimes he'll make a little point with the show or something, but it's not really. And, and it's just a collection of like cynical gags and like usually really kind of harsh and rude, which is okay. Sometimes they're funny. But I always thought he was just a, a really fluffy, basically made really fluffy stuff. And, like, you know, I, I could watch something that he did, while, although I heard his time travel movie was, ter- or, or the movie set in the 1800s was terrible. But what, what I, I, I don't, I can't remember the name of it. I think it, I think it also had Doc Brown in it. I think that was one of the things as they snuck a do- actual, like, Christopher Lloyd in it and he could have he was you know they they lined it up so he could potentially that that you know they never say it's Doc Brown but you know I have no idea what the hell movie you're talking about I can't about. remember what the name of it is it, it it was it was set in the 1800s but everybody talked like modern people and uh and it okay. was it was he was the star of the movie and I heard it was just just horribly unfunny the Ted movies are pretty funny but that you know, you forget about them two minutes after you see them, type of stuff. But anyway, so when when I first heard about the Orville, it was on Facebook, and it's just like Seth MacFarlane's new show is not getting good reviews. So then I read these reviews, which just start—I mean, just trashing it, 
trashing it. I don't know what Seth MacFarlane's thinking with this, but this is the, the, you know, it's terrible. It's just like Star Trek, but it's not Star Trek, and it's not a, it's supposed to be a parody, but it's not a parody show, and it has jokes, but it's not fun, you know, but it's serious. We don't, it doesn't know what it wants to be. It's terrible. And I was just like, well, I got to watch the first episode of this just to check this out because they were saying, you know, it's got all the visual trappings and story trappings of Star Trek The Next Generation. So I'm like, this is a weird thing. And I'm I, and I'm figuring I might not hate it as much as them, but I'm probably not going to like this. But I got to check it out just to see what it looks like. So I downloaded the first two episodes and I watched the first episode and it was fair to Midland, it, but it was like the it was like the origin story. So it was just sort of like, okay, here's the characters and here's the v- basic premise, and it it, it kind of sucked in the same way that um, the first Star Trek, the Star Trek pilot, the Next Generation pilot, sucked. You know, it, it was just kind of a little awkward. But uh, then I started noticing like Andrew Leyland was just like, you know, I, I've watched the first three or four episodes of this show the Orville and I'm kind of digging it and then I did that interview with the guy who wrote the next generation guide to aliens and uh and I and after the interview I was like hey have you watched the Orville and he's like I actually did and you know I didn't really like it at first but then when I got to the third episode and he like described the third episode to me and this guy is a super like next generation his house is just like he collects like paintings people do of Jean-Luc Picard and hangs them on his wall and stuff. So I was like, okay, so I'm going to continue forward with the Orville. And like a lot of the things were saying, this thing isn't going to get more than like five episodes in before it's canceled. It's going to be one of those weird little, little things. Well, I started watching this goddamn show and I got to tell you, it's, <laughs> I look forward to every episode of it, every episode of it. I'm just like, Ooh, there's a new Orville out. And, and like Star Trek, I think, I I think they got like eight episodes out right now of it. And, uh, and like Star Trek, it just got confirmed for a second season and people are starting to pick up on it. And I don't know if Seth MacFarlane did this on purpose because he, because he knew just because Discovery was coming out. But also at the same time that these were that Discovery and this were coming out was about the same time as the 30th anniversary of Next Generation. But now that I've done some reading on it, come to find out Seth MacFarlane is a huge, huge Trek fan. And he's also a huge, huge um, Trek fan who was seriously, uh, basically... In interviews, I've he's he's about of the same mind as you and I are with the direction of Star Trek. So this is basically his fan film, you know, fanfic of like, okay, how can I do Star Trek: The Next Generation without getting my ass just sued from here to eternity? Well, we'll talk to the lawyers, and they said you can't have transporters, and we'll throw some comedy in it, so it's a parody if they ever press us on it but from the sets to the musical cues to 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 the um way in which it's edited to the way it fades to black before a commercial to the time it takes to get 
through an act to the where it fades to the commercial. It's timed. It's there's Star Trek the Next Generation episodes. You know, the theme music, everything of it just feels Star Trek the Next Generation. The uniforms, although the um the doctor in this, the woman who plays the doctor basically sort of has a Green Lantern uniform. <laughs> it's it's strange. The medical uniforms all look like Green Lanterns. But, you know, you have you have like an alien security. Or, well, actually, the security is a little woman, but she's an insanely strong sort of Vulcan looking little woman. Is it a million ways to die in the West? Yes. Is that the one you were talking about? That okay. is the one. I heard that was um, yeah, heard... El Turdo. El Turdo yeah. Loco. Says the audiobook was narrated by Jonathan Frakes. That's very interesting. Oh, that's interesting. Well, Jonathan Frakes has already directed an episode of the Orville. Hmm. And um, there's been some, Liam Neeson's been on it, playing. You're gonna love this because you're the you're the guy who always <laughs> describes Liam Neeson as a stick of wood. He doesn't literally play a stick of wood, but he plays that part in Next Generation where they're on the planet that's like about to like implode or whatever and they find and they're in like and they find the 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 memory tape of the guy who built the you know the world that they're all living in who's just like if you ever see this it means you've reached the end of your journey basically it was a their world is hollow and i've touched the sky episode and uh but liam neeson plays that guy who like it does the you know I have, I'm the one who designed this and, and they're always just like a stick of wood talking to the, the camera and he does, he does that flat like yeah, semi acting extra acting that you would get on Star Trek and that I mean they've had one episode where it's like okay we gotta take it easy on the budget, we've blown all our special effects money, this one's set on a planet that's almost exactly like Earth what are the odds you know and uh, and that episode actually is like a classic. It's like classic. People are like, you know, it. It's it's classic in the way when the Star Trek was a classic, where a Star Trek episode was almost like an episode of Twilight Zone, you know, in that same world. And I'm wondering mm-hmm. if the existence of the Orville is is going to affect. Discovery, if they're gonna look at Discovery and go like, "Oh my God, this has the goofy, this has all the shit that we've been in- avoiding." As a matter of fact, all the shit that we've been in- avoiding, this has given it a big hug, and going like, "Yes, I understand you." They're, they're getting Star Trek writers to write the stories and stuff, and and um, 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 we were just talking about him, um, what? Why can't I? The actor was begging. No, the the uh, Picard. Oh, uh, Patrick Stewart. Patrick Stewart's going to be in it, I guess, in in an episode of it. So they're 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 you know they're getting they're getting Star Trek related people who are like, yeah, I want to be involved in this. And uh, I mean, it's I'm actually I'm hoping like when I look tonight that there'll be a new episode. <laughs> Well, here, it's fun. Here's it's... the thing I, I want to know, though, is here, here's why I don't like this guy and why I don't like Family Guy. 
I, I it always surprises me when my when when people that I think know me really well totally misjudge my reaction to something that that I feel like they should if they know me then they should know you're not that's like probably not a yeah exactly and family guy I don't think you're surprised that I don't like it but I do have friends that are genuinely surprised that that I don't like it and, and how it has a lot of nerd references like it. in it you know I think that's it what has it a is. lot of nerd references but it's the same reason I, I like like things like Big Bang Theory just rub me the wrong way. I yeah. don't like it when people poke fun at us, at, at my people. And I feel like in the instance of Family Guy, I don't feel like he's laughing with us. I feel like he's laughing at us. Well, the problem with and that is... And it's the same a lo- way I feel with... Well, I'm sorry? The thing, the, the, the thing I would, would argue about that is a lot of the nerd references in it are too obscure to, to like you know the general public isn't even going to know how that's making fun of you know there's some stuff in there that is right. just like basically like only the nerds are going to understand this little piece of trivia and I think it's I think it's as simple as Seth MacFarlane go, and this is one of the reasons that I that I think he's like kind of inconsequential as an artist is it's just Seth MacFarlane saying, "Hey, here's a piece of trivia in my mind that I, you know, have from a kid that right. you probably have in your mind too. Here, look at this, and and people go like, oh yeah, <laughs> I know that obscure fact. You know, I get that reference. Basically, now, is he part of the whole robot chicken thing as well, or is that is that something that's, different? That's that's um that's a different set. That's okay. the, the I can't remember is uh, Seth Green. That's the guy. Green. He was Doctor Evil's okay. son in 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 right. Although, although I think he, I think Seth MacFarlane gets pulled in to do the voice of Palpatine whenever they do Star oh, okay. Wars stuff on Robot Chicken. But um, uh, but here here's uh, here's what I want to know, and you need to bo- just bottom line this for me: Is he homaging? Next Gen and Star Trek, or is he taking the piss out of it? Because no, if it's the no, latter, no, I have no, there's, no interest whatsoever. There's, there's the, the the stuff that gets it pissed. The, the 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 humor in it is the weak point. I I am adamantly of the opinion that the humor in it is to keep it so they can say, oh well, this is just a comedy. It's it's a comedy parody of Star Trek like shows, you know. We're also sort of a you know it's, but it's not a parody of it. it. It that's the thing that's that's shocking about it, is it's straight up. I mean, okay, here's the here's because, the premise of the the the, the show. Because if it's if it if it's like, um, oh god, what's that movie? If it's like Galaxy Quest, it's not like Galaxy Quest. Then. It's more see, like Galaxy it's Quest. more like it's more like if you're gonna compare it to Galaxy Quest, it would be like if you were watching the show. If you were watching the actual Galaxy Quest show, not the actors, you know, not right. the storyline of the actors. It was it, it, this would almost be like you were watching Galaxy Quest. So it has, you know. The cheese in it, I mean, there, you know, I mean, the cheese is is your opinion whether it's cheesy. Like, you know, the sets and the costumes and stuff are straight up, you know, nineteen ninety 
88, you know, 87 to 90 some, you know, design work for next generation. So people could say that's cheesy or whatever, but it's, it's, it's not, it's by the third episode. And this was where, this is where it got me. The third episode I'm counting as a class, like, and, and here's why it also gets some slack. It's not Star Trek. So I don't have to hold it to, I, that's the thing is I was like, okay, I'm not going to hold this to Star Trek standards, even though it's trying to be Star Trek standards. Cause it's not, I'll try to l- like it as its own thing. But by the third episode, I was going, you know what its own thing is? Star Trek. <laughs> this is a Star Trek show. The, the third episode. Okay. Here, the, 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 the premise of the third episode is the, um, I don't, he's not the security officer, but he's the vault, the, the Vulc, the wharf character. He's basically wharf. He's a big black guy in a, in a ridged head headed thing. It talks like wharf and is, is kind of big and dense, but not really. He's not dense, but he t- does that, you know, sort of wharf talk captain sort of thing. But his race is all male. They they only make males, and they reproduce by lay. They just every once in a while, a male will lay an egg. So he's got his mate, and they've laid an egg, and like he's like captain, I've got to take time off to sit on my egg or whatever. So that's kind of a comedy beat. But he goes and have has his egg. But when he has his egg, it's a little girl, which you know they're they're fre- they're freaking out and the. the captain's like why are you freaking out over it well we don't have girl you know there's no women in our society every once in a while a a girl is born and so we have a surgery that turns her into a male and then back into society so they they basically were like to the doctor on the ship like so can you turn her to a male and she's like i can't do that there's a baby i can't i'm not you know by my federation ethics i'm not allowed to do you know a surgery like that on somebody that can't say whether they want to or not and so then they the 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 guys on the crew convince the wharf guy that and spoilers everybody for the orville third episode they they convince them him that maybe he should maybe if she stays a girl you know that's what she was supposed to be and maybe she'll be something special in that and so he wants to keep her as a girl and then his mate wants to change her back to a man they have to go back to the home planet and you know go to the in front of the tribunal and plead their case to keep her a girl so they go and they do the whole you know Seth there's a there's Seth MacFarlane isn't the comedy relief. He he plays it 90, 90% of his, he plays it straight as like a sober captain trying to be a captain of a starship. But he goes down there to plead their case and they find, they, you know, they find out that the greatest philosopher in the planet, like, you know, lives way out in the desert nobody's ever met them but they write their philosophy books and they find out it was a woman and she went out to the desert and so they bring her out and they go look see a woman can be something in your society and so you're like oh okay and then the council comes back with their decision they're like yeah we're gonna make it into a boy sorry that was a good good plea but yeah we we can't have women in this and they take the baby off and turn it into a boy and go okay well we'll raise it from there very Star Trek, you know, it doesn't doesn't really satisfy anybody. 
And what I loved about it is it could have gone in a very, um, what would the word be? I want to say stereotypical, but it's only modern stereotypical. It could have gone in a very sort of like predictable, predictable. I don't want to say PC, but it could have gone into like, we, we we'll make this a statement on, on trans, you know, modern, tra- you know, transgender stuff in America. And that's where it seemed like it was going, but then they, they turned it, they turned it on its head. And and it became like, you know, a sort of a sort of nuance. It became more about the culture of the the aliens than and 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 I was actually thinking about all the elements of it and how, okay, this isn't a satisfying ending, but I see this and and now the two characters and I was like, God damn it, this is Star Trek. And the other one that's a classic episode could have also gone in a very like, you know. We're going to portray this as some modern, you know, element of the left wing or the right wing. I think Seth MacFarlane's kind of kind of right wing, but I, I don't know. But it could have gone in a political direction. I don't think so, no? according to what I'm reading him here about him. Oh, but okay. So the, the, just, the yeah, episode you just Well, he's one or the other. <laughs> did, did you ever see... There was a... And I couldn't tell you the name of it, but there was a, a next-gen episode where Riker fell in love with this quote-unquote woman but she was actually from a gender like she was gender neutral basically like david bowie or something right i haven't seen that episode but i've heard about it and then at the end of the episode because of her love for him she wants to be a woman she she wants to embrace they were either gender neutral or they had both i can't right, remember right but she wants to she wants to lean one way which their society strictly forbids that they you know they they stick right in the middle and at the at the very end of it as i recall the episode they basically send her back to conditioning uh because she had embraced being female and it it was a heartbreaking ending to the episode because the conditioning I can't remember if it erases her memory of him but it it, it changes changes their dynamic where right, he kind of right. flies off at the end and he's broken hearted because she you know she's back to where you know she's basically the, they've pushed the reset button she's back to where she was at the beginning of the episode yeah it, it kind of sounds you know of a it's similar definitely vein like a riff, that, I'll bet you it was definitely a riff off that because there's one that's yeah. That's a riff on for the world is hollow and I've touched the sky. You know, it's the basic idea. People on a planet and they've been living there and they're about to fly into a sun. They don't know where they are. You know, that sort of thing. Right. But they take a different, there's a different angle on it, you know, but it's the same basic premise. And there's a lot of uh, that. But it, I'm going to give this show a whirl I've, for several reasons. I'm looking I'm at the... I'm very w- curious to see what you think. And, and, and... And I'll say this, you got to get past the, the, well, the first episode isn't bad, but it's not, it's not like, you know, it's like, here's the backstory of the cap, you know, it's not a episodic episode as much as the rest I'll of them. I'll tell you why, why I'm going to give it, why I'm going to give it a whirl, because for one thing, I like the pedigree on this show. So I'm noticing that John Favreau mm-hmm. directed the pilot. Mm-hmm. I really like John Favreau. 
um, Brandon Braga is involved, and he's a name I recognize from Star Trek. You've got episodes that have been directed by both Jonathan Frakes and, um, damn it, where is it? I just saw it here a second ago. Uh, Robert Duncan McNeil. If I remember properly, hell, I'll just click on it. Yeah, he was um, he was on Voyager. He was Tom Paris on Voyager, and he's uh, he's an accomplished director. I think he directed some episodes of. Well, I know he's directed Star Trek, but I think he directed uh, specifically Voyager. You know, some Voyager episodes. Uh, I like that guy. I noticed the music here. It says the theme was written by Bruce Broughton. I love Bruce Broughton. And then uh, on some of the other episodes, there was scoring by. Joel McNeely and John Debney. I love both those guys. And it well, says here that they're using up. a full orchestra for yeah. the show. No, it's straight uh, up five piece orchestra. It's straight up the or- it's it's straight up the orchestra music. Sometimes actually there's some of the little the electronic music that you would hear in Next Gen 2. But you hear whole like when you hear the music, you know, when you hear somebody like do a knockoff of a song and they change one note. That's what the right. background music sounds like. That it's like, <laughs> it's next generation music, but it's off by one note. It's using the the you know it's using more of the theme from the theme song of it, which is very much like the next generation theme. So it's the the one thing, and... the one thing I'm gonna warn you about, and it's the one drawback of the show, is the humor, and that does that's not to say that all the humor in it's bad. Although in the first episode. The first couple episodes, most of the humor is really is is like it's and it's not Seth MacFarlane's style humor, but it's just sort of like regular TV humor. And this is why I don't like most of the humor in it is most of it is based on modern things, just like when I was talking about the music cues in Discovery, you know, when they when they show right. the Klingon guy with the what what sells the Klingon guy on keeping his girl or a female is they show him um, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and, and and they just show it to him because they're drunk and they're like here watch a movie and he watches it he goes now I understand you know Rudolph could have been you know taken and sacrificed disposed of but yet they found a use for him even though he was different that sort of thing but every like cultural reference is to something modern you know or they're like they're down in the in the engineering and they're listening to Van Halen or something, you know, while they're working or something like that. And that always annoys me. But right. sometimes but and I hope that maybe they go more in this direction when the humor is just based on goings on about the ship. Like I think it sounds like that comedian Norm MacDonald but they have one they yeah. have one crew member yeah, he he is yeah they have his name on there that okay so he's he's yeah. pl- they have an alien that's basically a blob a green blob and he's got a crush on the doctor so he's always like i got a headache and like down hitting on the the human doctor and like you know sticking his pseudopods out at her and, and that stuff's kind of or like every once in a while somebody'll run through him and split him in half and be like oh sorry and go back together and be like hey no problem dude. oh my god she was cassidy yates on deep space okay i recognize this woman the one that's playing the doctor oh she was on deep space nine she was the 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 commander slash captain's girlfriend you know uh what's his name uh 
the captain on DS9, Cisco. Uh, she was Cis he was Cisco. She was Cisco's girlfriend. She's the, well, like her, like you know. There's a couple. She was one of the few really good things on that on that show because she, you know, she's a good actress. But yeah, she was good on there. I liked her. Ba basically, huh, the helmsmen no in it are like modern American guys, and they're the the comedy guys. But all right. the other the character characters in it. I mean, even the acting, like, I mean, natural, I mean, that's, that naturally makes perfect sense that she's, she's so perfect as a doctor in there because she's familiar with the Star Trek acting style, you know? Right. There's that sort right. of, that sort of style and she, you know, she, yeah. Okay. That makes perfect sense. Well, of no small consideration for me wanting to watch the show now is also the fact that, uh, apparently the... What did it say her role was? Let's see here. I'm sorry, I have to go back to it. Um, oh, she's the first officer. The first officer is Adrian. Uh, I'm not sure how you pronounce her last name. Paliki, and she is on my list, man. She is a doll. Oh, she plays, she was. Yeah, her, uh, she's the captain's ex-wife. Ex-wife. Yeah. Yeah, she was. Um, do you oh, remember... they do the menagerie too. That's right. I, that's what the I think the second or, second episode is basically the menagerie. Do you remember in the comics, Hawkeye had a wife uh, named Mockingbird. She had a white and black outfit, and yes. she used um, like battle staves. Yes, she played that character on Ag Agents of Shield for a couple of seasons and then she was supposed to spin off into her own show and for whatever reason they didn't pick up the pilot of her of the show of the spin-off show and so she went from Agents of Shield to this but I I think she's a babe I well, think and, she's, and, the, and she's a I mean she's a damn good actress I don't want to be completely sexist I mean she's a great actress but I mean she's not you know she's not rough on the eyes either well, well, so you'll yeah no, you'll notice I'll watch this, it just for her you'll notice in the first episode <laughs> they play off their relationship as sort of like that old radio show the Bickerson you know they're they're a divorced couple and they're like actually he's the one like she's she's trying to like make up you know for screwing over him and he's bitter about it so they bicker a lot and like oh this is what i remember i don't and i was like oh, i don't like you know like comedy you know scrapping couple but you know within the first two episodes after that they like dispense of that like they actually have a moment where they like make peace with each other and after that they have a good professional relationship and you have a little bit of like the spark being reignited, but it's like way down in the back. It's it's sort of more reminiscent of like Picard and um, and the Doctor. You know, uh, it's it's funny. I was just thinking that it's, by the by your description, that's and, what I was thinking. That's and their funny. characters, like within the first three episodes, you can tell that they shifted them from like they're going to be like the funny aspect of it to no, they're 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 in the playing it straight part. It's like. There's basically a good chunk of the like all the just straight up humans are playing it straight except for the the two basic helmsmen who are like the comedy relief and then all the character actors you know the like there's a robot guy and then there's a wharf guy and then there's a security officer who's a little tiny woman but she can pick guys up and fling them you know she could crush metal in her hand type thing 
So let me sort of let me ask you because I, I don't want you, I don't want you to spoil too much of it for me before I because I, I am yeah, gonna check. It I'm out, I'm very I'm I'm really psyched that I talked to you that 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 well I'm gonna convince myself that I talked to you into watching it but that I got you to like check out the pedigree and like piqued your curiosity anyway. I'm really dying to find Here, out what you think. What I what I'm curious though is of the two of them, which one, if either one. Basically, is, is hitting choice. that. <laughs> well, which one is hitting the Star Trek? You know, hitting oh, hitting the, closest the to Orville. the mark. The Orville's hitting the the oh, the Orville's hitting the Star Trek beats. The like the the Orville will push your Star Trek <coughs> Star Trek button. <coughs> I think a bit more than than Discovery. Discovery does hit your Star Trek button here and there, but it's like. There's so much more stank associated with it because it's legit Star Trek. This one, like, you can go like, if it was, if this was a Star Trek show, the humor in it would be a would be a deal breaker. You know what I mean? There's a lot of things that would be a deal breaker right. in this if it was Star Trek: The Orville, you know. But it's not. It's its own thing. But it, with with a nod and a wink, after a while, you start realizing that that it, it's almost like this show is like. We're going to give you what you want, or we're going to give you the elements that you're not getting right now that you want, you know, and, and, and right. it's kind of like Seth MacFarlane saying, I know what you want. Here it is. I've figured out a way to give it to you. And at the same time, it's not something you have to take really seriously. So there's like, like watching well, I don't, the, the I don't Orville, I can relax and watch it. You know what I mean? I can relax right. and get into it and watch it. Whereas Star Trek Discovery, I'm watching it like a hawk, you know? And then there's I don't points know where I go, this, this is good. Not. And then I go like, ooh, I don't like that. And then I'm like looking to see if they're going to do this and that. Whereas the Orville, I can just take it for what it is, you know? I don't know if you remember this or not. And I don't know if this was an episode or just a conversation you and I had had. But I remember you making a prediction at some point. I think it was about the, the point where we had gone through the, or at least I had, had gone through all the stages of grief with <laughs> the Star Trek reboot and, and yes. basically come to a quiet acceptance of, well, this is just the way shit is now. Yeah. And you had said something to the effect of, you know, Star Trek lives and, and Star Trek perseveres and eventually somebody will figure out a way mm -hmm. to give us Star Trek, whether it's Star Trek by name or Star Trek by yes. feel. And that's kind of sounds like it might be where we're at. But before, you know, before I'm ready to, to you know, commit to that, I, I think it, it, it bears discussing, you know, what is Star Trek? Because, you know, that, again, I think is where we... For one thing, it's so hard with with fans. You know, you get more than than two people in a room on any subject, okay. and and you um, start to lose. You know what I mean? You want me? But with Star you Trek, me to, to just me, sort of randomly, I could I could probably pick a few moments from. Well, no, this is this is the part of the show I've I've wanted <laughs> to, 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 oh, okay. to present the most. Is for me, this you know, you and I had discussed a while back, doing you know, talking about different uh, subjects under kind of a, the banner of 
you know, whatever happened to, you know, and, you know, like the, whatever happened to the world of tomorrow, that, that vision that used to be out there, you know, of, of the, of the positive future. Yes. And we, I know we specifically wanted to talk about Star Trek in that vein because we both held Star Trek as a big part of that, you know, of that culture of, you know, a, a positive vision. And to me, that's what Star Trek is and what it always needs to be at its heart is something that harkens back to that 60s, you know, that that mid to late 60s, you know, kind of innocent view of a, a positive and hopeful tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And I feel like over time, it just got so far away from that for for a multitude of reasons. For one thing, well, it gets it gets so know, huge the, and the, convoluted, and and a whole you know a whole story where like, you know, that's the thing about Star Trek is it's like they're thinking like where should we put this Star Trek, and they like put it before Kirk Trek in the timeline. To me. That's 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 a misstep because I'd rather they put it a hundred years after. What was the last one? Right. Voyager is the latest in the timeline. Yeah. Uh, you know, 50, yeah. 50 years after Voyager, twenty years after Voyager, even. You know, in the future, and then that way you can you can you can dandy up the ship all you want because it's twenty years down the line. You can slick in you know, and every and it's new. You're in the future. You don't know what's going to happen next you put it somewhere where you don't know as much what's going to happen in this one it's like okay we're going to tell the story of how the klingon war started well that's interesting but that's not exactly star trek it is star trek is it's a story in the star trek timeline of things that happened but it's not the essence of star trek you know the essence of star trek is exploration or finding something new or using using science and using well basically the humanities you know your your not just science but your emotions and your feelings and your intuitions and you know using all those things together to figure out what the hell is going on and 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 then reacting in what is the you know the the um what I like to think of as elevated, like moral and ethical standing of humans in the future, you know, notwithstanding also the like super snobbiness and next generation, you know, type of thing that they would do or, you know, the condescension or whatever. But it's like, it's basically about that. It's like, okay, we found a situation. How do we resolve this situation without just shooting every, you know, without shooting everybody. And we're not about, we're not out taking over the universe. We're out exploring and, and coming in peace and all that. That's what Star Trek is to me. And, and, the and the trouble and the problems you run into with that. So as such that, that gives discovery, you know, that, 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 that handicaps it a little bit in that, not that there's elements though, they had, you know, an element in it where they'd found... Remember those... You'll see memes about them or little articles on Facebook about the tardigades. They're like the little little tiny... They're almost microscopic little creatures, but you can shoot them out into space and they'll live. Yeah, They're this really, like, 
you know, that you can dry them out and bury them in the dirt for a thousand years and you add water to them and they'll come back to life. Well, they find like the, a big space version of that and, you know, they figure out that it can be used with the, with their new type of spore drive that they have for the Enterprise to navigate it. It can basically, you know, it has a connection with the spores so it can, they can use it to travel to any part of the galaxy. But at the same time, they're kind of torturing it while they use it. So it's sort of like, you know, and, and, and that, that you have the moral ambiguity of Deep Space Nine where the captain's like, I don't care, we're at war with the Klingons. If we kill the thing, we kill it. We'll get another one. And, you know, Michael Berman's like, no, this is a sentient creature. We can't do that. That's a Star Trek premise, story, thing happening. That's, that's what I see more as Star Trek. Or, you know, where... You know, they find a new life form and they're, they're like, what the hell? You know, I don't even understand what this thing is, you know. And then they have to get to a point where they actually find a way to communicate with it. And Orville, Orville has one or two of those every episode, you know. <laughs> and, and so does Discovery. But Discovery also has things that are, you know, glaringly hateable also in it. So... So it's it's up and down, you know. You're going like, oh, this is going great. I really like this. And you're sucked into the story and then you go, ow. So I would say at this point in time, Star Trek-wise, Orville is more Star Trek than actual Star Trek. And my hope is that that sinks in to the people who are making Star Trek when they start working on the second season to this that says to them all this shit that you're running away from or that you're only dipping your toes into because you're not sure if people like it and and you know all the hippifying you're trying to do with Star Trek it's not necessary at all at all you know and that's the thing and despite all the 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 early critics and 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 when I say early critics, I'm not talking... They weren't just like regular TV critics. They were nerd critics, you know what I mean? Like gatekeeper-style nerds who were just like... And I got the, I got the real feeling that it got gotten a hold of... The people who saw it were people who maybe didn't get Star Trek at, that much and thought people were going to hate it and were trying to get ahead of the bandwagon by really, you know, doing those... You know, doing that internet thing where they, like, you can't just be like, ah, this isn't that good. They have to go like, this is the worst thing you've ever seen. It comes from the bowels of hell and then it shits in your face. And that's, that's what the Orville is. And that's sort of how they described it. And then it came out and people have been embracing it. I, I, come to think of it, I don't know if I've really heard anybody who was, who didn't like it. As a matter of fact, I think I was the most... Of all our crew on it, I was the most tentative person at first going like, okay, we'll see. All right, I watched the first... I, I think I described the first episode as watchable. I'm like, that was watchable. <laughs> and and then by the third episode, I was like, oh, I wonder when the what day does this come out on? You know what I mean? And now every time that I, like, get myself a new... A new discovery, I'm like, oh, I wonder if there's a Norval. And often I'll have a discovery and a Norval sitting on my hard drive. And I got to tell you, I'll go to the Orville first because I know, 
you know, sit down, sit down with a sub and start eating it and watching it. And, and, and God damn, it feels like I'm, you know, it feels like I've turned on the TV back in the day when they used to run next generation, like at six o'clock at night and then at like 11 o'clock at night. And you could just, you know, catch a couple episodes of next generation and hang out. It feels just like that. Every once in a while, one of the jokes will be like, Ugh. but you know, it's it's forgivable. I'm very I'm very curious to see. I'm kind of excited for you because I do think that there's going to be stuff in it that like you really enjoy. But then again, <laughs> I could be totally wrong. <laughs> I've been wrong before, but all I can tell you is that's. That's the reaction I get I get from it. I would I would definitely have you watching the like I could try to talk you into watching Discovery, but I know. I know that there's the the points that that I'm sloughing off a little more would not slough off as much with you, you know. There would be many more places where it could possibly lose you. I think maybe somewhere down the line if you ever decide that like you're just like bored one day and like oh, I'll check it out. It's worth worth doing but I would not uh, I would not be like you know someday you have to watch this you know eh maybe you do maybe you don't if the if the Orville keeps coming out you may not have to really have you checked out any of the John Byrne photo novels yet not yet no those are pretty Star Trek too but those are like less on the media radar I think but for me those are also another another dose of old school you know Star Trek whenever they come out and he's pumping them out fairly regularly the problem with those suckers is they're eight bucks a piece well so, are we about wrapped up for this one yeah, I think I've covered just about everything but I am very curious to what the listeners think so you should come to our Facebook page after we post this, and I, I'm really curious to hear what other people... I know there's been people pestering me to, to talk about these two shows, too, so I'm I'm really curious to start getting some uh, amassed uh, Two True Freaks listener opinions on this. When was the last time you and I got together and talked Trek? It was probably Star Trek Monthly Monday 72. <laughs> yeah, a couple years ago. Yeah. Now, um, the the last thing I guess I want to say is, uh, I think I would like to. In, it's oh my god, it's only like a month away, isn't it? The, uh, and and even less so by the time this comes out is after the last Jedi comes out. I wouldn't mind, because I, I know you're planning on seeing Last Jedi. We've talked about that. And I know you've been watching Rebels and stuff like that. I would like to have, and we won't know what it is till <laughs> Last Jedi comes out. I would like to have a show like this with the state of the Star Wars union. At yeah. At that point. I, yeah, think, I think it's ripe for, well, there's lots going on. There's lots going on right now. There's, you know, there's the Han Solo movie, and then there's, they just announced that there's going to be another trilogy by Ryan Johnson, so so Star Wars is, is roiling and boiling as it, as it would have to, since it's 
now owned by Disney and they have to pay for it. <laughs> so right. So I'm really looking. I'm I'm really looking forward to that conversation, and I'm crossing my fingers that this is a good movie. <laughs> But even if it isn't a good movie, oh my god, good or bad, we're gonna have a lot to say, I'm sure, on the on the state of Star. Wars. We already do because I we sort of were talking about that a little bit a couple weeks ago too. So as you guys, you guys should enjoy that. <laughs> you guys might enjoy it more than it's possible. You guys will enjoy it more than we will. <laughs> If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at 2TrueFreaks.com to shop there. If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, 2TrueFreaks gets a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So you get to shop as usual and help out the 2TrueFreaks at the same time. Visit our website at 2TrueFreaks.com. 2TrueFreaks is always spelled T-W-O. T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S You can email 2TrueFreaks directly at 2TrueFreaks at gmail.com 2TrueFreaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. Dumbass. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. All right, you mutinous, disloyal, computerized half-breed. We'll see about you deserting my ship.